want to welcome everyone to this episode of The American Idea. Today, we are welcoming a special guest, uh, someone who might be a little bit unusual on this podcast, but I think once you start, we start talking with him, you're going to find out not so much. We're welcoming today for a conversation about jazz, David Parker. David is an entrepreneur. He is an educator, uh, a public school teacher of music for 40 years, successful real estate investor, a writer, a columnist and commentator, and also, and maybe most important for this episode of The American Idea, a, a very accomplished musician, including a jazz musician. I want to talk today about jazz as America's classical music. David Parker, thanks for taking the time to join us today on The American Idea. Glad to be here. Um, your career in jazz, I have heard it described as America's classical music. Maybe I could just start with this. How is jazz classical and how is it American? Because I can just say for my own self, and I'm not a jazz connoisseur, I need to learn a lot more. But you hear people will say there's classical music over here and there's rock and roll over here. The twain do not meet and they don't know where jazz fits in. All right, so that's completely wrong. Ah, okay. You Gallys said it best. Music is either good or it's not. And if it's good, it's any music. Rock, jazz, Balinese, uh, Tambong, African music. If it's good, all musicians hear it right away. Paul McCartney and, uh, and uh, Harrison and uh, John Lennon, their music will be heard two hundred years from now. Wow. That's how good everything is. That's composition. They've captured what you good in music. Mm. So in that sense, it's classical. The best rock and roll is classical, huh? And the, and the best classical is to play spontaneously. It's rock and roll. Because you're listening... You're the oboe player and you're listening to what the bassoon players just play five seconds before you. Right. And you better match that. Or else that means you're not listening. The audience knows you're not listening and you're not part of the thing. So you're just playing your notes to get paid. Aha. Uh-huh. Um, and that's the key to jazz is, is listening. Listening. Because uh, Miles Davis has a famous book. Aha. Uh-huh. It's autobiography. Cameron. And the first word in... Uh, 20 or 30 or 40 point cap is listen with some huge black letters period and when I first bought that book I read that book and closed it actually that's what it's all about I'm not going to go back until I've improved my listening wow now that's interesting because I think a lot of listen, uh, a lot of our listeners on the American Idea who are not musicians and certainly not jazz musicians would say no 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 the thing about jazz music is quiet not listening. Why is it listening? Why is listening so important for jazz? If you're playing music that's mindless, maybe to a hotel lobby, well, you're playing for the the, the elevator festival of jazz. <laughs> but otherwise, it's uh, it's serious music. Uh huh. It's serious music. It's composition, and the good players know what they're doing, and they're very well trained. Most of them are trained classically intact. Uh, it is completely irrefutable. You can call jazz American. I mean that it's it 
um, it evolves in the 20th century. Mm-hmm. And uh, it could not have evolved had European, had European music not met African music. Interesting. Tell me about that coming together of the European music and the African music. Well, the, anybody f- who came from Africa, anywhere, Latin, South America, North America, and they all heard European music. Mm-hmm. And they all had especially rhythm training, the uh, background, mm-hmm. and then they uh, developed, uh, even, well, even developed their uh, form of music, a compositional form called the blues. Right. Okay. It didn't okay. exist as 12 bars and it makes very good sense. So then you take European and melody and harmony and, uh, and African rhythm. And then you take then the pretty soon the melody begins to sound like the rhythm. And pretty soon, you know, melodic passages that sound kind of African. And Hollands is still, I think, still European. And today they're using more and more modern. Uh, that's so it isn't there. It's a genuine American art form. Yeah, because it really does. You, I mean, it's now it's played, of course, all around the world, and there are international jazz festivals everywhere. But I really do think of it as starting in America. Yeah, because of that, as you're saying, interestingly, because of that combination in America of of African and European together in the same place, connecting with each other. Right. Had there been nowhere from Africa ever came, which is a new world, jazz might not ever revolved. Ah. It needed both. It needed both. Um, tell me about a little bit more about musicians listening to each other. Because one of the things that seems hardest to me as, as a non-jazz player and a casual listener is the fact that jazz seems simultaneously very structured. It, it, it's, there's a coherence to it, but there's improvisation going on all the time. So that it's this amazing combination of those two things that requires people to really be in, in sync with each other, in connection with each other. The players have to almost anticipate what the others are doing. How does that happen in playing jazz? Well, they almost asked, how does that happen in classical music? Hmm. And great classical, that's, that, that's a great way to listen to classical music. This violinist played this. The trumpets followed as he played that. Oh, that came right out of that. We developed on each written down and they're playing it kind of the same each time. And in jazz, they're playing um, what would be appropriate, but with their own, their own, their own, their own music. But to learn to improvise well um, takes practice. And you're, and you're, so you're working on the, my band, when we play, very often I'll play the same cues the next week. Okay. Because uh, they had a chance to think about what they did on their solos and how we play that. I mean, they played the same tune a little slower or, or a little bit different. Or a little bit different. And, uh, and yet it'll change their solos and they'll have, they'll have caught how they would have played this solo better and they'll play a, they'll play a solo again. So you're constantly listening and really modern jazz is a word called harmonics by Ornette Coleman. Okay. He says, you have to listen. But all musicians can be playing all at the same time, in fact. And they don't have to necessarily play in the same key. 
as long as we continue playing this works with what's going on, aha, and they don't have to be exactly in the same beat, as long as they're not too far away from, from where the beat is. And, uh, uh, and, the, and the melody it has to be what it is. So, harmonics, the harmony is whatever the jazz musician's melody was at that moment in time. Latin America, all yeah, yeah. uncontrolled, write those notes down. That's the chord. That's not even the chord. That's a that's point in in fifteen notes in that there. <laughs> right. And it may be all side by side. It maybe does and just so they know, but that that's that's the harmony. So you are you're just in one of that if you play different volumes. Yeah. You don't have to play the same, but it just has to be close enough that you can hear each other. Right. The other element of listening is um I'm playing with some of the best musicians in town. And in fact, they're one notch and a little better than I am. But so if I come on the set, I have to practice uh, crazy to stay up with that group. Uh-huh. And if I come quite, you know, rarely to reach the gig, I didn't practice with Danny Poor or something like that. In 10 seconds, six heads will turn in our practice. <laughs> six in our practice. <laughs> Because they're listening that close. Yeah, you were a 64 uh, d- uh, degree off on on that beat, which should have been anticipated by a 64. <laughs> so that's how sensitive it is. Anymore. Right, right. Uh, jazz. Um, I think of it, I, I connected, of course, to America and the American experience, as you say, the coming together in this amazing, interesting way of the European and the African. I connected also to a place. Of course, here we're in San Francisco. Uh, and you're playing in San Francisco. I, and maybe a lot of Americans, connect jazz to New Orleans. Is that, tell me if there's anything that we should know about the historical connection of jazz to a place like New Orleans. Everything starts somewhere. Uh-huh. German was inside in German. Right. Um, and I up Mississippi and developed the sound in Chicago. The Chicago blues is still being played is the center of American blues. And Mississippi Delta has blues. That's still a center. And New Orleans, I went to the New Orleans Jazz Festival and the best group for the New Orleans groups. Aha. Uh-huh. Um, second line bands and the... But um, all art, painting in the, in the 19th century was... Romantic and classical, then all of a sudden Monet came along, right? And boom, painted the sun in the ocean of the harbor, beginning of impressionism. Yeah, nothing but ages will happen before. And music, possible, and jazz has had some violent shocks that were a logical extension once you think about it, but not took a creative person to pull it out. Right. So today, the kind of jazz I like and where jazz is going in one direction is merging with contemporary classical. Well, that's a contemporary classical. I I listen to Boulez and Carter and Stockhausen and uh, Schoenberg and, and I get inspired for my jazz. Mm. And uh, what do you hear, if you don't mind, what do you hear in those contemporary classical composers that you can bring over into jazz? That music is called through composed versions. It's not now here's the beginning, here's the middle, here's the end. It evolves and evolves and evolves and evolves. And to hold the listener's attention, better be doing. 
because right. constantly new ideas. How how many new ideas does anybody have? Yes, right. <laughs> so it's really difficult. And then you, you hear, ah, if you're doing this, or was there? I'll hear before I call it that. You know, and you go amazed at where it's going. Yeah. So I'm listening to part of my practice is not just playing from still. Every day I'll work on a piece. This week I'm going to get to C flat. I play everything I'm playing in the key C flat. Very good for your ears to play pieces. She's in and out rigging and uh huh. And then when you stumble on a spot because you played it in your wrong key, ah, oh, that spot was, that was a key moment there. And it's why I stumbled. So that might be the whole part of the piece because uh, it organized. Right. So playing different keys. Um, also, when you're, when you're listening to, uh, to somebody do so part of my practice is to improvise. Play the tune, play the key of C flat like this way, and then be sure to improvise every day. Ah, don't leave that out. It's not just playing the warm ups. Okay. Fine. They get, mm -hmm. it's not practical unless you improvise. Uh huh. That's so, oh, all right. So that's interesting. This, 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 uh, you mentioned, and then I guess it connects to this idea of improv improvisation. You mentioned there were some certain creative geniuses in jazz that sort of, shocked jazz into a new thing or took it a new direction. Maybe that direction was already there late in form, but if they took it that direction. For our listeners' sake, who are some, in your mind, some of the most important jazz musicians who have really made that kind of contribution to, to, to jazz? But I'm, I'm probably not connecting the holder composers correctly, but more modern jazz stuff. The shock we were dealing with is called bebop with uh, Charlie Parker. Okay. Yeah. In a way that morals had occurred before it and people, and then taking that one step further, further is Orient Coleman also playing yeah. on the, on the alto. Okay. Both alto saxophone players. Both alto saxophone playing lines that people hadn't heard and said, this is not music. Ha <laughs> ha. And then today, in the easy list move. <laughs> it's like impressionism and painting. In 1890 or whatever, the start, dude, that's not art. We play, uh, it was an easy, easy viewing. Uh -huh. That's the show that gets a lot of money. Right. But, uh, but it's in time, this is, isn't that art? So Charlie Parker is, has that kind of original genius. Original genius, correct. Yeah. Yeah. Are there others in, in contemporary ties? If our listeners again are thinking, I want to listen to some of this interesting jazz that David's talking about. Who's David Parker listening to? Well, one of your call for example. Okay. Contributed, and he also wrote through classical. Lenz Simpson Philomai played one of his classical pieces. Interesting. Uh, with included a jazz quartet or with with a group. He brought me forward. Uh, composer we play is Eric Dolphy, is a known jazz musician. Been playing with Charles Mingus. I thought, and he's written some new music. An album I believe was called Out to Lunch. And one of the pieces you've never played tonight is uh, out there. It's ringing a polo, hmm. which comes from Sherbert, was his big Kerber game. Oh, yeah, music was the big break. He said, You have to play pop notes, all four notes of the new scale. So you see, sharp, D, D sharp. It's called one before you could go on. That was why the oh. religion. And Harry Goffer said, well, you don't have to play all 12 for jazz, so I did two confusing. So, so I thought one of his pieces is that six, six or seven windows. And then 
you do what Schoenberg did, you play it forward, and then you can play it backwards. That's also part of the method. Aha. And then you can take the intervals and, re and reverse them. I get to work in C to F. You can go on, um, you C to F down, which is a fifth, as opposed to C to F was a fourth. Aha. Uh -huh. So you play the whole roll but with um, the intervals inverted, you then play that backwards. That's what I did. Yeah, draw a drop. And that sounds complex. So that's one way to hold that as. That's a contribution to jazz. Eric Golfing, one of the field composers who were able to take that Schoenberg tone roll and make it sound like jazz. Mm -hmm. Coltrane was asked to do that. He says, I would, but I can't make it sound like jazz. I can't do it in the innings. I don't do it, but I appreciate it. I know what it is. And I can't do it. I got to really do it. Right, right. Um, maybe this is an unfair question, but I, I was struck by your phrase, make it sound like jazz. To you, what does jazz sound like? Oh, well, I should say make it sound like the music that's being played at the moment. Yeah. But uh, a person told me once a musician, if it's sometime, because... Jazz is getting more and more modern, or something jazz is getting very modern. And then if it never gets into a groove, it's not jazz. Uh -huh. It's modern music. Okay. It didn't get into a groove. This swing, you can say, for at least for part of it, okay. in and out of swinging, it's not jazz. It's modern music. It needs to keep connected to the African rhythm group. I suppose the rhythm is all people, but yes, yes. Well, the particular one, yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah. interesting. So swing or African rhythms, it, when you snap, you're snapping in two and four. Uh huh. And most uh, Lawrence Welk would snap on one. And you are in the country, the line. Yes, that's right. The three, four, and the jazz and the shiz would never do that. Can go one, two, three, four. So part of that is in, part of that's the swing. Is <laughs> you're a bass player. Yeah. Uh, in in jazz. Do you have a favorite bass player? Yeah. Charles Mingus. Charles Mingus. Yeah. Tell us and our listeners who might not know a lot about jazz, who was Charles Mingus and why is he so important? But his sound, it was something haunting. And sometimes it was African, but he's a trained classical bass player and perhaps even a cello player. And he's a genuine composer who's written like a hundred tunes. And all of them are like classics, even jazz. There's great pieces of music. And he didn't always play a lot of notes. And he he would have rehearsals. He said, I got an idea. We called the band. Got a little sheet of tapering for the label. Here it is. We got it. And he said, don't look at it anywhere out now. Just, just listen to it and play it. Uh -huh. uh, yeah, his, his pieces are perfect. The way he plays. And the so and in his soulfulness, it was my soulfulness. Uh, I consider myself to be a soulful player. Uh, and all the band people I have in my band are soulful players. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, really soulful players. Yeah, right, right. What's your? And, and again, you know, this is I. I was a saxophone player in high school. That's as far as I made it in playing an instrument that's closest to to jazz. Um, but a jazz, a great jazz group. What's the, what, what are the instruments that are involved in it? Uh, and what's the connection between the players? Can you talk a little bit more about the instruments themselves? Um, jazz, uh, like from the days of 
Pete Ellington and Count Basie, they were practically orchestras, right? Five trombones and five saxes and five trumpets and several percussion and piano and maybe a singer. And uh, all of a sudden, in the late 40s, or in the 40s, or where someone said, let's just take three or four or five musicians. I mean, Frank, you same thing. Right. And those guys, they were out of money. Mr. Bellinson made a lot of money in his lifetime. Uh-huh. And he died poor. Uh -huh. Because he kept his band going in the 50s and 60s and 70s when big bands were not taught to you. He took all his money and gave it back to the band, beings in careers in retirement. The says it's last time gave it all back. Like, Angel Carnegie gave it all back. Right. Then gave it all back. Right. So... But that style has changed to small combination. And uh, every once in a while, people want a bigger, bigger band. The Cuban music opera has larger bands. I have three or four trumpets playing at the same time, four or five percussion playing. Can you see that? that anything good can always come back. Aha. Uh -huh. So it's, 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 uh, can be uh, traditional jazz. This series, because they can be non traditional jazz. This series, it's what you say with your instrument that counts. Aha. Uh -huh. It's not what the instrument is. Well, so sometimes jazz, of course, has, uh, does not have a vocalist. Sometimes jazz, of course, had vocalists. Um, jazz vocalists, again, for our listeners, if they're thinking, I want to hear somebody who really knows how to sing jazz beautifully, whether that's today or whether that's just someone in the history of jazz, who should they be listening? That's a, a good question. I um, mean, there's not very many. Hmm. Just this song of words. The only person just sang the words and didn't improvise was Gloria Holiday. But her sense of rhythm was so exquisite that you can tremble when you heard her play, that she was not improvising. And the uh, jazz musicians generally don't like singers to come on. It ruins it. It ruins it. Because they're not improvising. And they're not playing like one of the band. They're... they're has their little egos and they're just there to start and they're not listening. They're just singing, we follow me, I'm the leader. <laughs> like Ella Fitzgerald ah. got, got the band's appreciation. Hmm. She came on one day, I said, the band gave her a hard time. And the found old player plays something. She went after him and give it right back to him. <laughs> yeah. He gave her a long one. And we get right back. <laughs> the dad says, okay, she can, she can play. <laughs> she was a, she was one of us. She, she had the instrument. She had the instrument. She was, she was, she can play like the band. And that's the people can do that. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, in your writing, I was struck by this phrase that you used to talk about your own experience playing jazz and being part of the band. You said, you talk about finding joy and wisdom in jazz. Well, it, it's, a function of your attitude when you're playing. I'm going there for spiritual moments. I'm going there for a spiritual moment. And I, that's how I play. Uh, it was as fast or slower. And that's in Charles Mingus. He inspired me that way. This sound has that, has that to it. Um, enjoy. As I'm playing, um, we're all locking in. Six people locking in at the same time, what you call it. Mm. And uh, in wisdom, I'm not sure, but if, you've, if you're improvising and in, intuiting purely, uh, it's, 
It takes experience and wisdom to do that. Right? And insight. You, you have an insight. Yeah. But my insight is my wisdom in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That, I wouldn't have used that word today, but <laughs> that's fascinating. Um, uh, when I think of jazz, I, uh, let me just throw a, a, a name and tell me what you think. Uh, I often see him and I associate him certainly on the trumpet with jazz, Louis Armstrong, a great American uh, who had important and interesting things to say about our country. Correct. But I think was important in jazz. Perhaps he's perhaps the greatest jazz musician of all time. Wow. Mike and wow. He, to me, I, I associate Warrior Armstrong with Rembrandt. He pulled up at a Rembrandt from 1600s, something like that. I went to an art include and Rembrandt and his students. And I'm Rembrandt student, 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 Rembrandt student, student. Picked up right away. Um, everything in art is in Rembrandt. Anything today, any modern notion is in a Rembrandt. A master piece in any art form is beyond the artist or the composer himself. Mm-hmm. He's a dashy at vehicle for something as great as like a child protege. The six years old plays like an adult. He's not an adult. He's not an adult. He's in a vehicle. He can do it. And so Rembrandt would do stuff that everything in art is in Rembrandt and everything in modern music and for modern jazz is in Louis Armstrong. I can shivers out this is Louis Armstrong. Mm-hmm. That's how Nate. it's beyond him. Yeah. He could never explain how he's doing that. Incredible. Incredible. Uh, on, on American idea, uh, maybe, and maybe your answer will be a jazz musician. If it is, that's fine. But I, we always like to ask all of our guests, because it's Ashbrook, we value, as you know, so deeply American history and American principles. Um, who's your favorite person in American history? In American history? In American history. Maybe, maybe we can start with American jazz and then talk about American history. Well, jazz is a young art form, relatively speaking, mm-hmm. our world. And um, when Jefferson was young, <laughs> He was my, my model. Uh-huh. He was my inspiration. When he got older, he said things I didn't want. I wish he had said. <laughs> when he was younger, he was great. The young Thomas Jefferson. The young Thomas Jefferson was everything in America should be. Ah, on. And we are a Jeffersonian democracy, which means that every person in this nation gets a vote, no matter what your wealth or social status is. Jefferson mm. said, if you're afraid of that, you're afraid of having you know it, neighbor vote? You're afraid of democracy. Uh-huh. I mean, right. Right. Yeah. And, Je- and Jefferson embraced, as jazz embraces improvisation and freedom, Jefferson embraced those and articulated those fundamental principles of freedom for this country. Right. He's part of the age of enlightenment. Yeah. Social, political, economic freedom. Don't touch it. Ah, fascinating. What? Jazz, America's classical music. I think we have a much deeper understanding now talking to you, David, how it's classical, how it's American, and how it all fits together. Thank you for taking the time to join us on America Light.